Welcome to the Raven Precision Podcast. In this episode, we go over RCM version 1.4.0.19 updates. I'm joined by Charlie Schoenfelder, one of our principal design engineers, and Josh Smith, one of our technical service specialists. This RCM software release covered a bunch of stuff. It actually has quite a bit of things that were held over from a 1.3 beta version. A lot of that goes into the uh, level 3 activation that got added for things like uh, granular meter per section application and some planter seed rate control modes. And like I said, there was quite a bit involved in this release. There's a ton of things in the release notes. And so in the episode, we really just go through point by point. And uh, Charlie was actually a really good sport, and he explained everything that goes into all these different uh, features and changes and updates. Um, just lets me know I need to do a little bit more of my own homework just so I can understand it better. It can just do so many things that it's kind of tough to keep track of everything. But now let's just jump into the conversation with Charlie and Josh. So just with uh, RCM 1.4, is it 0.0.19? Is that the correct, is that the correct version? Correct. Yep. Um, I think we'll just kind of go through the list of release notes, and we'll just add a little bit of information uh, to each of these points um, and then kind of highlight anything that we feel is necessary from a, from a service standpoint, um, you know, kind of how, how it relates to customers. I see some of these, you know, it's just kind of, you know, what kind of scenario does this actually apply to? So probably just start right from the top there then. Uh, so we added this precision farming wizard. Now, what what exactly is going on with that? Uh, what that allows us to do is uh, interface with task controllers, uh, including like the CR7 and CR12 displays from Raven uh, to provide a section uh, offset. So it's applicable to uh, sprayers with uh, like a mid-boom, for instance, mm-hmm. and a rear boom that's uh, offset so the user can configure that to interact with various task controllers. Okay. Also includes provisions for uh, setting up um, look-ahead times, uh, on and off look-aheads, et cetera, for section control. Okay. Uh, let's see. I looked through quite a few of these and we were kind of just talking about it a little bit before we started recording was the, um, so we have, I just kind of want to jump straight all the way down to the bottom of this part of the list, uh, where we've added this, uh, level three activation for the RCM. And with that, we have some different, either like application modes or machine types with specific, uh, applications maybe. Uh, so we just kind of, maybe we just jump right into that because as opposed to having to jump all around later on um so let's see we we have the level act level three activation uh to provide support for configurations with more than 16 sections or clutches probably jump on that one first yeah so the the use case there is for uh planters uh with um high row count um where the rcm can utilize the full potential to uh control up to 32 clutches. Okay. Um, and then you can obviously chain multiple RCMs together mm-hmm. to accommodate even larger planners. Um, so that's kind of the use case for that. And 
in general with RCM, we're trying to provide a, a good value for a certain price point. So that's why we've added the level three activation is for the higher end features, uh, which includes higher clutch count. Okay. And, and many more. All right. And so then uh, moving on to, so granular meter per section application mode. Now is that, uh, kind of <laughs> forgive my lack of uh, knowledge in the industry. So would that just be like an encoder at each section or is that something else? Yeah, it's both a, an encoder and a PWM valve for each section. Oh, okay. So essentially we've got uh, a multitude of control loops uh, within a single product. So it's applicable for uh, planter applications, for instance, where you're controlling uh, multiple hex shafts that are controlling a, a gang of rows, if you will. Mm-hmm. Or it could be applicable to a box drill, uh, even uh, like produce uh, fertilizer applicators, uh, things of that nature. Uh, we've also more recently um, encountered it with air carts where you're getting uh, more control of each section uh, of the tank itself. Okay. Was there anything else with that? We can't, we hit on the, I'm just looking at the level three activation, kind of sticking with that. So we talked about the, the planter seed rate controller. Did we, no, we just talked about the clutches. So um, as we're looking at our planter seed rate controls with or without clutches, uh, is there, what, uh, what's changed, what's changed there to need to be with a, a, a higher level activation as you, as yeah. you mentioned. So kind of with the, the evolution of version 1.3 and now 1.4, we've added the planter machine type. Mm -hmm. So with the 1.3, we've added the capability to control clutches on the planter. And that's assuming they've got uh, a ground drive transmission or um, controlling the hydraulics through another party. Um, And then with 1.4, we added on to that to be able to do uh, seed rate controls. We're controlling either a hydraulic or electric motor. Mm -hmm. Um, and we can also do that seed rate control in conjunction with clutches. So okay. we can support up to uh, four hydraulic motors uh, with 24 individual shutoff sections. Okay. Yeah, and that's what I look and I see. So uh, we never actually uh, had a release for 1.3, and I'm guessing some of that is to – is that correct? That's correct. I mean, a lot of it was just uh, we wanted to get more comfort with field time, so we've had a a nice cutoff point there where we we made a a 1.3 beta release uh, that we worked with several candidates or customers on uh, to confirm that testing. And as we were developing features with 1.4 and then uh, now doing a a larger scale release with Mm -hmm. both of them integrated into one package. Well, yeah, and it makes sense, like, just looking at some of these that were were originally a part of 1.3, they just kind of really fell into a lot of the things that were going on with 1.4 development. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Well, we could just jump right back up towards the top then for uh, for all you folks looking at the list, Josh. <laughs> looking. <laughs> uh, so I I can't remember. You might have to help remind me, Josh. When we t- when uh, Teal was in our last one, did we talk about the we talked about the the vapor monitoring we didn't talk about the for nh3 we didn't talk about the tank pressure sensor did we no we did not get into tank pressure sensor but we did talk about the nh3 vapor and temp sensing pressure a little bit i guess i haven't really messed with the tank pressure sensor with rcm per se so maybe charlie can elaborate a little bit on that sure 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, what we've kind of done there is um, historically we've uh, had the user enter in the value when they f- fill the tank, mm-hmm. uh, and then we decrement that value based on uh, flow meter feedback um, going out to the sprayer boom. Oh, right. So now what we've added in is the capability to take an economical uh, pressure transducer mounted in the bottom of the tank and be able to calibrate that to determine a rough level of um, product within that tank. Uh, So we have a calibration procedure that guides the operator through that process uh, where they basically fill the tank, and through the course of that, um, we're monitoring that voltage and trying to make understanding of Mm -hmm. correlation of uh, volume uh, to the pressure level that we're reading. And then as part of that process, they'll dispense that product uh, and it's monitored through the outgoing flow meter. And there we're characterizing um, what that pressure voltage reading is to a a specific uh, tank level. So it's not necessarily the most accurate um, method, but it gives sort of a a fuel gauge accuracy level. Oh, uh, right, yeah. So um, certainly don't advertise it to be dead on, but, uh, you know, certainly within range. Well, and it's a, it sounds like it's more of like, um, ease of use or quality of life. It should, uh, and that's one thing I wanted to just ask quick then, as you mentioned, uh, calibration procedure. Now, is that something that would be, let's say in the setup wizard for a new profile or is that, would that be sort of like a, Uh, something that you would need to go in through the object pool and do it separately? We do that separately through uh, the object pool, so that's facilitated through our diagnostics page. Uh, We have a a tank-level calibration uh, function within that that guides the user through that process. So then, yeah, something that can be added on after the fact, and you don't have to go through the wizard again or, you know, do any of that? Correct. That's a a very economical way uh, to do that. Okay. We do have some higher-end solutions that are, uh, fill flow meter using an RFM 200. Right. Uh, and that is probably a more accurate solution, but um, this facilitates a lot of uh, installs, particularly for pull type sprayers. Right. We do also have our auxiliary display to complement that. Uh, so they can mount our 4.3 inch display uh, right on the sprayer itself and uh, see a reading right at that oh. fill station. Yep. As part of the fill monitor you're talking about. Correct. Okay. Yep. Uh, so then we also added PWM smart control and I've seen this before in, um, some of the, uh, in the past. Now, is this similar to how we've used it in the past? Yeah, it's it is kind of getting added to RCM. Uh, it, it eventually got added to the RCM. Is that kind of what? Correct. We've, you know, continually evolve, uh, RCM. Uh, mm-hmm. we got our base foundation out there initially a couple of years ago and, continue to build on that feature set to make sure we've uh, at least have parity with um, legacy solutions and now working to advance past that. Mm -hmm. But uh, PWM smart control, the way that works is um, the system is learning uh, what duty cycle correlates with a various flow rate or uh, RPM of a meter, et cetera. And as the operator makes significant adjustments in either target rate, uh, changes in speed, or effective width as boom sections are being turned on and off, uh, the controller will anticipate what duty cycle it needs to jump to and instantaneously jump to that point, oh, okay. uh, which significantly improves the control. Right. Yeah, as opposed to kind of having to uh, set a lot of those, like, 
I don't know, like the min max, the preset, is that kind of, is that right? Kind of having to set those things up. This will learn that. They'll still uh, need to apply those min max settings oh, okay. All um, right. based on the valve. But what this does is characterize the position within that min max range. Oh, okay. And correlate that to a, a particular flow rate or RPM, if you will. Nice. Uh, here's one thing that we did, we did get into a little bit, uh, uh, last time when we talked about, uh, just, w- and to kind of just jump to highlight that if, uh, have no one's gotten around to listening to it, we just talked about, uh, the RCM and it's specifically how it pertains to fall granular applications, or actually it was just more fall application overall, I think. Um, and so we, we did get into, uh, the new ability to use unassigned section outputs for uh, 12-volt auxiliary drivers. Um, Even though we did get into that last time, I just thought it might be good to get into it a little bit and kind of see if you have a little bit uh, a different different take, different way to explain it. Uh, Because we kind of, we just mostly talked about mm, if you have an oiler. Do you remember if there was anything else, Josh, that we may have mentioned Yes, basically we just talked about the ability to assign a another switch per se, I guess, or if you're just wanting to turn something on on mm-hmm. the system, you can do this through the RCM object pool. I mean, basically what it's going to do is just be able to press a button to send 12 volts out in one of the section drivers to energize something with 12 mm-hmm. volts, whatever that might need to be. I mean, if you had an electric motor or something that you wanted to run for what a particular application um I don't know. Maybe Charlie has some better ideas. Certain applications where those things would be would be used. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, what it does is just take an unused section output and uh, turns it into something you can adapt to another twelve volt source to turn on or off whenever needed. Right. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great explanation. Um, historically, you know, with customers that use the SCS controllers, oftentimes they would use excess switches on the console mm-hmm. to. Uh, drive an auxiliary function, um, things as Josh alluded to on a new liter spreader, for instance, uh, controlling an oiler or uh, gate height, uh, things of that nature right. are applicable. And uh, as we carry that forward to air card applications as well, there's various functions that um, operators like the ability to um, manually set that up. Those, of course, can be configured as either a latching output or a momentary output based on the uh, the press of the soft key itself so okay a lot of flexibility available with that so um, let's see a max amp current that we can uh, support with the section driver i guess would be kind of important i guess just so some of the guys out there listening might understand right. how much power they can apply sure in general kind of our guidelines is we uh, provide up to five amps per output uh, of course we're kind of limited in terms of uh, what um, the circuit power in the ecu is which everything's fused at 25 amps so even though we might have up to 32 output drivers, obviously not all 32 can be consuming 5 amps at once. So the, the operator or the installer just needs to be cognizant of uh, the load requirements on the system, uh, not to consume a total of 25 amps per ECU. Mm-hmm. But in general, each output can can carry at least 5 amps. Uh, anything more than that uh, could be facilitated through the use of an external relay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So we have some enhancements to our control al- algorithm. I cannot talk right now. Uh, 
is just, I guess probably that could be this huge in-depth conversation or we can maybe just try to keep it uh, a little brief. Just what, maybe just some high-level stuff, kind of what changed? Yeah, I guess just kind of in general, um, as we've evolved RCM and the applications, it's uh, geared towards, um, we obviously made some great improvements with our control algorithm over legacy controllers, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, a lot of our legacy controllers had more history behind them. Uh, So as we've gotten more history with RCM, we've recognized the need that there's a few corner case conditions uh, that we need to improve on, Okay. Uh, particularly uh, servo valve control on uh, spinner boxes was uh, one that we identified that um, RCM was previously uh, lackluster compared to um, legacy SCS controllers. So we put some focus on that and dramatically increased Mm -hmm. um, the performance there such that the operator can control way down to low rates all the way up to high rates as they vary the uh, needs of those uh, throughout the course of the season. Okay. Yeah, so just kind of like taking some of the old and, I don't know, sort of bending it to the will so RCM can can hammer it out, essentially, right? Absolutely, yep. All right. I got to think, I got to think in simple terms. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, so here was one that I thought was interesting. So, um, so we added support for PWM closed control valve with NH3 application. Um, Correct. And uh, this actually was uh, requested from a, a customer up in Canada. Okay. Um, so this isn't uh, with respect to any Raven NH3 control system. So we continue to oh, okay. control AccuFlow and AccuFlow HP Plus uh, mm-hmm. using our standard valves and fast valve um, as we historically have, but to support some third-party uh, cooling okay. systems that uh, do require a PWM closed type. Uh, this just brought us up to parity with what we'd historically offered with our uh, ISO product controller uh, ECU. Oh, okay. And I suppose, like as we're uh, as we were talking about the control algorithm changes, and then this as well, it's just um, it probably isn't until you get some more people uh, adopting the technology, uh, upgrading or or moving up from what they had been using in the past of ours or someone else's and, and we just kind of probably getting some of these requests down the road, you know, cause like you said, it's been a couple of years now. So Correct. we're, uh, we're sort of getting, those are probably coming in constantly with anything that we're doing, but you know, as we, uh, can carve out some development time or, uh, depending on what the need is, that's probably, that's kind of what you were getting at with that. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, this, this next point, this could probably be its own future uh, thing. So as we added uh, support for displaying blocked section states when paired with RBM. And just kind of quick give an overview of that. So that's our run blockage monitoring. Yeah, the Raven run blockage module. Module, is, um, okay. Is the, the term for that, but you're exactly right. It is a, <laughs> a run blockage monitoring system. Yeah. Uh, so we can pair that with uh, air seeder applications and, um, be able to monitor each run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the big advantage of pairing that with RCM is to provide uh, section awareness uh, such that as the okay. display and the RCM are turning off sections coming into the headlands, uh, that we can suppress any associated alarms that okay. are coming from that uh, blockage monitoring system. So it, uh, it's a great integration uh, pairing those two together. Mm-hmm. and uh, a platform that we uh, continue to advance here moving forward, and right. we expect will be extremely well-received by uh, those embracing it. 
yeah, I mean, it looks pretty solid, and I may <laughs> I may invite one of you guys back for if I want to talk about that. But uh, yeah, so it's like it's just looking like um, we're just incorporating a lot of the information that would come from RBM into uh, the RCM object pool. I'm I'm curious, like, would that be uh, one of those configurable readouts, or uh, would that be? Or I guess I should say, just what would that look like on? Yeah, exactly. The so the user experience today with uh, an RBM is that it loads its own VT working set, right. um, and then you can also have the added advantage of seeing that through an iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have an iPad application known as Raven Seed View uh, that the user can download and uh, interface through a Bluetooth interface uh, to that. Mm-hmm. to uh, see individual run-by-run performance. Um, and then when we pair it with RCM, uh, we get that information. We're passing back and forth our section status awareness. Um, and additionally, the RBM is reporting the um, level of each sensor so we can show if there's a um, blocking state in one mm-hmm. of our sections to uh, indicate to the user that there's a problem uh, as they're viewing the, the RCM working set. So it uh, just provides another level of integration uh, mm-hmm. to enhance the user experience. Uh, then we have the ability to uh, select either an ISO or the ISO speed source, and it says through a diagnostic service menu, and also using speed provided by the RS1 uh, if it's available. And so when I look at this, one question that I did have was, so if we're talking service menu, is this locked behind a code? Uh, it's actually not. It's available through our, our diagnostic menu, so the okay. user can see that and get access to the speed source. Uh, so one problem we've historically encountered as we interface with a lot of third-party VTs um, is there's multiple speed sources available on a, a given brand of tractor, whether right. it be navigation-based speed or radar-based speed or ground-based speed. Um, and The RCM has a hierarchy in which it treats those associated um, speed sources. Okay. And, um, sometimes we get into a situation where they may have outdated software on the tractor and we're not understanding why something isn't reporting correctly. Uh, so this gives us the visibility into, um, seeing exactly how the RCM is prioritizing the various, uh, speed sources it has available on the bus. So it's a incredible diagnostic tool for mm-hmm. us moving forward as we, uh, encounter problems, um, with trying to de- determine what speed source the uh, RCM is trying to make use of. Oh, okay. So um, now when that, you're, you're, you make it sound like, so it's, it's mon- you can see what the hierarchy is. From me reading this, would they also have the ability to lock into a specific one? Yeah, that's correct. So we'll, okay. we'll uh, report um, what addresses, CAN addresses are presenting a okay. speed source to us and what its speed presently is. So the user can actually drive and monitor, say, you know, three or four different speed sources uh, and make a determination which one is uh, appropriate and okay. lock in moving forward to uh, use that as the preferred source. Uh, so it really helps uh, overcome some issues we've had in the past. Um, let's see. See, we added some language support for Bulgarian and Hungarian. That's Seems pretty straightforward. That's correct. Uh, working with one of our team members in uh, Ukraine uh, who was working with uh, some dealers there in Raven Europe and uh, had a request for that. So we're always happy to, to help facilitate that as we can. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, oh, one thing we did, well, we kind of maybe mentioned it briefly, I think, is uh, so uh, adding turn compensations for product modes that have multiple control valves and uh, rate meters. Yeah, so this uh, ties in with our rate control sections feature right. um, that's applicable for granular machines mm-hmm. or planters, et cetera. Um, the RCM actually is equipped with uh, inertial sensors built into the hardware. Uh, so okay. similar to our Hawkeye system, as the user is uh, going through a turn, we can uh, modulate the inside section differently than the outside section. So the same applies for granular applications as well, uh, planters, air seeders, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, as they're going in that turn, we want less product dispensed on the inside section versus the outside section. Uh, so this is what helps uh, facilitate that. Yeah, you could definitely see the difference uh, with somebody who's planning with or without <laughs> with or without turn for count. sure. Major <laughs> difference. Yeah. Um. So as we put uh, support for a mid bin level sensor, I had a question as I'm reading this. So is that meaning the just the location of the sensor, or is that an because we do uh, up until now, from my understanding, it was one sensor per product yep that's correct and is that is that the same is that still the same or, or? Uh, the addition of this actually allows us to have uh, two bin level or point sensors uh, we offer a couple different bin level sensor options okay that are capacitive either in a 30 millimeter head or a 12 millimeter head um, so now they can we can accommodate uh, a second point uh, so a lot of times they might want to mount that say 25 to 33 percent up Mm-hmm. Uh, so they kind of get an early indicator of when the bin is going low. And we've incorporated some logic with this such that the user can program a, a fixed percentage of product, and we will uh, correlate our uh, tank level adjustment, uh, so take, say okay. 25% of um, the tank capacity when it um, triggers that threshold, if you will. Oh, okay. A new layout option for the run screen with five widget selections. It's kind of a mouth, well, it's a mouthful for me because I'm having a hard time speaking right now. But uh, yeah, I, I I haven't seen, I haven't ended up actually seeing this. So I'm kind of curious what that, what's actually going on there. Sure. When we first uh, designed RCM, uh, the screen layout was done for a multi-product scenario in mm-hmm. mind. And uh, now we've seen, you know, significant adoption as we've introduced our level zero and level one offerings for uh, single product applications as well, um, which a lot of times that might just be too much information to have uh, that much okay. data. So what we've done is made uh, the uh, programmable widgets uh, larger uh, with a larger font size, so it's more readable uh, for a single product application. Uh, particularly with uh, spinners, we've added some nice bells and whistles into that to help facilitate uh, the ease of operation for enabling the spinner control Oh, okay. Um, and more geared towards, you know, the single product applications. Oh, yeah, I suppose because there's a little bit of that. And when, so reading five widget selections, is that, uh, is that is that the part that was traditionally like on the left side as you're going through your different products? Is that yeah, what that so means? Yeah, so you'd have, you know, up to five products on the left-hand side, mm-hmm. and then there was uh, space for up to six configurable widgets. Right. Uh, so now what we've done is if there's two products or less, you've got the option to, basically take those nine uh, blocks or widgets, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, upsize them and uh, stretch them out a little bit more. Okay. And it's uh, laid in a little more user-friendly uh, 
view for a, a single or dual product application. You guys are getting crazy, getting <laughs> crazy down there. Uh, so, you, so added support for a Viper Four pressure widget. I'm just assuming that's the RCM information that can then transfer to the the pressure widget that's built into the Viper Four. Yeah, that's screen. that's correct. So we've okay. uh, added the extra communication to be able to support uh, compatibility with that existing Viper Four uh, widget. So having new now having a added support for the for the Raven wireless remote. Um, now, from my understanding, this is a uh, a new version of that remote. Yes, that's correct. Uh, kind of a teaser for everyone. We'll be launching a uh, a new generation of our Raven uh, section control remote, which will be termed as uh, Raven section control uh, remote 2.0. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, another communication method uh, that interfaces with that. And RCM also uh, works with the Raven Diagnostic app uh, through Android or um, iPhone applications as well. So this um, brings just another generation of kind of uh, what we've offered with our legacy product line. And uh, we've had some mixed reviews on the the app on the phone. Um, Although it's economical, it's not maybe as user-friendly for someone that's uh, working with chemicals and... um, dirty hands, et cetera. So this uh, section control remote will be real, well received uh, by that market. Yeah, and some of the some of the other, uh, I guess, criticisms that I've heard from the the mobile app is just the, the range. And I know, like, when it comes to, when it comes to cell phones, we're limited by the, you know, the capabilities of the Bluetooth functionality of that phone. And, you know, it's like if you have... Like, I don't know, the things that I pair to my phone, I can maybe only get 50, 60 feet away from it. And sure. you know, as we're looking, to, you're looking down the boom or, and I, I would kind of uh, correlate that with, say, a Hawkeye system. You know, you're trying to diagnose something, you're standing down at the end of the boom. Uh, that's one of the, that's one of the things that, um, that's one of the pain points that I've, I re- can recall. Absolutely. Yeah. We've, although we've got a long range um, wireless chip uh, built into the RCM. Yep kind of the limiting factor there is what uh, that technology is within the the uh, mobile device. So by um, installing a long-range chip on both sides, both receiver and the transmitter uh, in the RCM and the section control remote 2.0, we're able to facilitate uh, a much longer range, um, even having, it, uh, having the ECU enclosed by a, a metal shield. Um, we're still seeing ranges... Uh, beyond 250 feet so oh wow um a huge improvement in that regard so we're very very excited about uh, that upcoming technology so you're saying the guys can test it from their house right <laughs> get closer <laughs> yeah. for sure so with some of the uh the holdovers that we had from one three then uh let's see we added support for a generic scale only mode um and i saw that uh we have some different channel types with that. Do we want to just kind of get in a little bit into that? Sure. Kind of the application there is we've got a, a separate machine type that's just devoted to uh, reading scales. So it might be an application, you know, such as a silage wagon or um, something that doesn't even necessarily leverage uh, any sort of rate control. Uh, but we've got a couple different price points available for that. So if we're just reading one scale system, 
um, our level zero RCM price point uh, will meet that need. And if they're needing to monitor multiple tanks, um, up to four, our level one price point okay. uh, will meet that need. So um, it just kind of adds a little more utility to the RCM and um, expands the platform for a lot of these um, scale applications that uh, we're encountering more and more of these days. Okay. So then for our, just reading through this here, so our liquid fertilizer tool machine type, we added a couple of application modes to that. Is that how that's working? We added some things underneath something else. Is that- that's correct. Under our liquid fertilizer tool uh, machine type, uh, we've got more customized support for the liquid slurry and liquid slurry dragline okay. applications. Uh, so with a dragline application, we're not necessarily doing any control, but uh, we're better facilitating that application and the user's needs for right. uh, record-keeping purposes okay. yeah. interfacing with a, a task controller. And then uh, moving on to... So we added some uh, a low side drive tiered boom application mode. That's correct. Um, that's, um, let's see, we got oh, and then configure three stack tiered boom systems. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of expanding upon uh, what we've had uh, for offerings with tiered boom being able to control uh, a two what I call a two stack system or an A B and A plus B. Um, we now have the capability of doing a third. Uh, tier so you can do any combination of a b and c um, type nozzles so it even more greatly expands the range uh, for a flow liquid flow system um, this is particularly popular uh, more so in the australian market but uh, certainly something that could be leveraged uh, worldwide as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then for the the direct drive application mode for tiered boom uh we now can go up to 15 sections? That's correct. So what, was that, do, what was that before? Uh, previously, it was at 10. So we 10? can do okay. two tiers um, times 15 sections now. So we're utilizing 30 outputs from the ECU. So there are a few different modes of tiered boom operation, sort of depending on the harnessing um, that's made available. Um, but uh, one of the neat features of the low side drive is we're uh, activating the ground side for the tiers. Uh, so essentially we can splice, you know, say up to 16 section signals. Um, the ground return from that, so if they're driving an air solenoid, uh, that would be controlled by the ECU uh, okay. as either tier A, B, or C. So it uh, kind of facilitates some some easier harnessing. Oh, yeah, I suppose. The cabling can get kind of crazy exactly. uh, when it comes to setting up. You know some of these some of these setups. That many valves. If you got sixteen valves times three different tiers, you're looking at forty eight valves there. So <laughs> that uh, can become overwhelming. So uh, we can now map a, the left fence row output can be mapped to section one output. Yeah, and what that does is it uh, accommodates some legacy harnessing, uh, particularly for the okay. the four forty or four fifty SCS council type harnessing. Um, where they might have been using boom section one to uh, drive the fence row. Um, So now we can allow the user to uh, map that fence row output um, to our section one driver uh, in the ECU. So it uh, more so uh, easily facilitates backward compatibility with uh, a lot of the 16-pin product harnesses. We made it to the end. 
This is the last one. <laughs> so we uh, added support for communicating with two ISOBUS auxiliary displays. Now, these are I'm I'm assuming like just reading this I'm guessing these are these are separate from the task controller or is this to be able to have that's correct okay. so like our tank fill monitor that's essentially what this isobus display is okay um, we've expanded that capability of the isobus display uh, to facilitate granular applications uh, so they can do a remote catch tests and read scale okay. data read tank information on each bin uh, etc. Uh, so what this is just doing is uh, allowing them to um, station multiple, um, or at least up to two, displays um, on a sprayer. An example might be they have a side fill station and a front fill station, and they okay. want to be able to see that level in both locations. So we've uh, expanded support uh, to be able to support that. Okay. Was there, uh, Josh, was there anything that you could think of from a service standpoint? Uh, just with, I mean, we have a lot of these new features added, uh, some new configurations. Uh, I don't know any, just anything you may want to add, like some tips. Tricks. I mean, just looking through some of this uh, 1.4 releases, you know, especially when it relates to the uh, tank pressure sensor. I mean, just some pointers for like when you install that. Uh, you don't want it at the very bottom of the tank because you don't want sediment getting inside that. So just a few things like that. I guess you want to mount it kind of horizontal. Um, some places just so, okay. you know, you can keep it clean. Um, I mean, that was one thing that I guess I just wanted to kind of throw in there, uh, for that tank pressure sensor. Like I said, in the last session, um, biggest thing is just kind of knowing the machine, I mean, right. knowing what you have, what you want for capabilities, and then understanding what you expect out of that machine and being able to, you know, configure the RCM to meet those needs. Um, mm -hmm. cause like we said, it's so multifunctional that, uh, there's so many, so many ways to uh, get it set up. So, um, that's about all I have. All right. We did it. Win. Awesome. <laughs>